construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. Well, welcome to the Flagstick Podcast, golfers. Uh, this is episode two, presented by TaylorMade Golf Canada, introducing Stealth with Carbon Face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Wood Age. To learn more, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Well, uh, I am Jeff Botter, your one of your hosts, uh, publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine and Flagstick.com. And with me, uh, sporting the obvious master's green jacket, is uh, my good friend, uh, co-host, uh, Scott McLeod. Scott, um, I got to say that jacket is, uh, it's it's perfect for this week, but man, that is some flashy <laughs> green jacket. Yeah, it's probably only one week a year that you can actually wear it. Uh, it's a legacy from a <laughs> Vegas uh, writer's golf tournament in, in 2015 that I managed to, uh, you know, be victorious and they uh, award one of these green jackets. So there's not really much you can do with a sequined, green jacket so not I really I'd, no. bra- I'd break it out for the podcast it is master's week we're all excited uh or at least most people i think uh based on what i'm seeing on social media uh it's that so- time of year that you know we're all getting into the game in canada it's a so- another sign that you know the golf season is upon us and i figure green sparkles let's go well speaking of speaking of the season being upon us obviously uh you know uh, driving ranges and whatnot opening up and and so on but uh did you did you get a chance to did you go outside and hit some balls this weekend <laughs> no i didn't go outside yet uh i hit some balls inside i played a little game inside with some uh industry friends but uh not outside yet but certainly there were a lot of people that were getting outside with a number of driving ranges and things that are getting open. And, you know, we'll talk about that more obviously during the show, but uh, how about yourself? Did you get out to the, uh, the the, the par three course in the, uh, in the yard? No. uh, uh, Well, my youngest son, Brandon was out. He was at, we have the, obviously during the pandemic, we, we put the hitting net up in the, in the yard and he was out there hitting a few balls and he's grown a little bit. So his clubs are too short. So he was kind of, he's got another set that's a little longer and he was hitting some balls. And then I saw him on the side of the yard, hitting sand shots out of the snow. So, <laughs> cause the, Whoops. there's still, we still have a lot of snow on our property. Yeah. We're in kind of the trees. So there's still a lot of snow around. No, I can't, you know, I'm not, it's a little just, early, right? It feels it to me. I mean, yeah. maybe it, I'm just, I just don't get that excited about, you know, getting out too early. Like if it was, 10 or 11 degrees out in spring weather but man you know i wake up in the morning it's minus one out and i'm like yeah that's different than the old days i can remember you and me making some trips and you know maybe down to oak hills and sterling and playing in the snow yeah and it might have been the end of march uh you know you were eager to get out there first thing is it maturity i I think so It's, it's it's realizing that uh, it's pretty much a dare to play this time of year. I mean, Saturday morning down here in, in Kingston, Ontario, um, it was pretty cold in the morning. The wind was blowing pretty good. Uh, and, you know, it got a little sunnier by the afternoon, but I, I just wouldn't say it was comfortable and, you know, blessed and fortunate to be able to hit some golf balls all winter long kind of inside. Uh, so I get it. If anybody hasn't been able to do that, they've got a lot of pent up uh, interest in the game, want to get out there and do some things. I know I had a few students that were out playing on Saturday. Uh, hopefully they're not judging the results of their, their work on their <laughs> golf games based on the weather and playing in that weather. But, uh, you know, just for them to get out and know that 
the golf season is finally here. I think that's great. A hundred percent. I did. Now I, I did, I did dig the golf bag out and oh. I did empty the pockets and stuff. You, you, you know, I want to make sure no mice or anything like that jumped out. There wasn't anything, any, anything dead or, you know, in the golf bag, golf bag was clean. I got to say right. there were two golf balls in there. Um, I do notice that I two (laughs) two left. Yeah. Two left from about the 30 dozen that I started with. It took me to play the six rounds of golf I played. Um, but, and there's no teas in there. So I know I've, I've got to make a trip, uh, you know, to get some teas and, and, uh, reload the golf balls and whatnot, but the clubs are clean and they didn't really get used that much. So they're not really that dirty. And, uh, you know, but there, there are a few other things that might need to be taken care of before the season starts. I might need to put some new grips on and, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but listen, Scott, we've, uh, we've got an awesome show lined up this week. Uh, we're going to talk some regional golf, which we like to do. We're going to talk masters. Of course, how can we not with that green jacket? Uh, we might dive into a little bit of putter talk, uh, based on some things we saw on our web poll on flagstick.com this week. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the pandemic boom if we have time. Um, mm-hmm. it just it's a timely thing. Plus, we got Product Watch as always. We're going to take a trip to the Lesson Tea with Kevin Hain. And our guest this week is a really special lady. We love her, uh, Carol Ann Baxter, the executive director of the uh, PGA of Canada Ottawa Zone, is going to is uh, someone you had a chance to sit down and talk with. She's also the owner of Archie's Golf uh, in uh, Cornwall. Um, and she sat down with you and we got that interview for everybody. So, you know what, without further delay, let's get to the front nine brought to you by Metcalf golf course. If you're looking for uh, fun golf at a great rate, save 15% when you prepay, visit metcalfgolf.com to book. So with that, Scott, let's, let's get down to it. Um, first of all, the weather we've talked about is improving a little bit. We're yeah. getting warm. I'm seeing the temperatures the rest of this week. You're getting up, uh, you know, getting up into 10, 12. Um, what is that meaning so far? You know, we've got the course calendar, course opening calendar on flagstick.com right now. And I notice it's filling up. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting, it's getting hammered right now as far as traffic and uh, starting to get more dates on there. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got a number of golf uh, ranges and facilities that are open. They're always going to get open first uh, golf courses, just starting Timber Ridge, Crooked Creek down in Athens. The issue that's happening for a lot of golf courses though, is what happens every year is they go to give a projected date because they want to answer, uh, you know, the people that are asking when are you open, when are you open? Uh, chances are some of those are going to get pushed back. Uh, I've already seen that with one, say Amherst you down here in Kingston way, they projected one date, had to push it back a week. Uh, it really comes down to the overnight temperatures more than anything. If you, if you talk to the superintendents, I mean, they just don't want people playing on frozen ground. They don't want them damaged the grass. So, you know, people just have to understand once you start to see the overnight temperatures get above zero, that's when you're going to have that chance to get open. Uh, some of the courses that I talked to that, you know, are close said they still have a fair number of wet spots, some areas of concern, uh, and don't be phoning them and asking if our power <laughs> carts out. Uh, you know, I saw that uh, one comment on a, on a social media post where a course said, hey, we're open on Saturday. And the, the first message that somebody said there was, hey, your power carts ready to oh go like think Come about on, that. people you're better yeah. than that you're better yeah, than so, that so go take your car and drive around on your front lawn and ask and, yourself and ask yourself would you know would a course allow that kind of damage to happen to their property so oh. just be patient if it's walking only for now i mean 
face it, Eastern Ontario, any golf in April is bonus golf. Oh, yeah. So just be happy with that. But that said, you know, if people want to keep going back to the, the calendar at flagstick.com, I mean, I know today you're probably going to get more updates still. And, you know, we put them on there instantly. It's in a Google calendar. Uh, you know, we're able to, you know, as soon as we get the information, we, we put it up there. So uh, just keep checking back or I believe you can actually download the calendar. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so if people want to do that and stay connected to the calendar that way, they can see the events and uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just keep putting up updates up there. Beautiful. Beautiful. So there you go, people drive your car on your front lawn and then you'll know <laughs> whether or not there's going to be power carts allowed on the golf courses or not. Come on people. You're better than that. <laughs> Um, now, Scott, uh, yeah. every every week on the um, – well, every week, I guess we don't do it every week, but at flagstick.com, we do a web poll. And the reason I put this on sort of our list of topics to discuss was um, was something that I noticed that I wasn't expecting. Mm. Um, the question was, uh, do you plan on buying a new putter in 2022? Yeah. The results of that poll were that at this point, almost 70% of the respondents said no. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of, it, it just kind of made me think of it. Okay. You know, I expected that to be the other way around, you know, mm. just the way things have gone over the last couple of years of people buying golf equipment. But, you know, does that tell us that, that the golfer that's out there kind of bought their putter in the last two years, or does that tell us that they're just not sure? Uh, you know, they say, they say, you know, 20% said maybe. So, yeah, you know, maybe they're saying no, but that could change if the right putter came along at the right price at the right time kind of thing. I think it has to come down to hope. <laughs> really, <laughs> really, it happens at the start of every year, right? We all sit there and go, yeah, I'm set. Uh, you know, some people will go and buy new irons because maybe it's been a bunch of years. Uh, they'll be enticed by the possibility of a new driver. Maybe they've gone and got a fitting and they've, they've waited their time to get their product in here. I, I think most people start to look at new putters after they get out for the first bunch of rounds and realize and, the one that got's not working. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So it's all about timing. I, I suspect if we do this poll later on in the year, it's going to have a whole different answer to it. Now, again, this is just my assumption, but this is an assumption based on many, many years. I'm the same as you. And I would expect a lot of people that are go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to look at a new putter this year. Uh, you know, that percentage is going to be higher, but I, I really do think it's a lot of people just getting out there. They start to, to putt and, you know, not saying they should, because in fact, I mean, if you go through a fitting process more often than not, if I see somebody that's having some issues with putting, it's usually not because of their putter. It's yeah. usually because of how they deliver the putter. As far as their stroke, it can have a lot to do with how their green reading ability is. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that play in there. The automatic assumption is that just buying a new putter is going to make things change. But again, that's, that's part of buying hope and Hey, you know what? If that's what you want to do, help yourself. But I'm ready to just... buy hope this year. I was in the third. I did the poll. I was in the 13. Okay. I've been using the same putter for a very, 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 very long time. What do you have in the bag right now? It's been uh, so it's, long since we played. It's a Nike Midnight. Oh God. Yeah. Um, I'm a left-handed putter, even though I'm a right-handed player. So I mean, lots of. It's it's funny because it's the. It's usually about 
the back nine where the person that I'm playing with, that's never played golf with me before realizes that I've been putting left-handed the whole time. Right. Yeah, and then yeah, they're yeah. like, well, what's that? Why are you putting left-handed? It's a, it's a feel thing. You know, it's a, maybe it's a hockey thing, you know, playing, being a hockey player sure. for so many years, it got used to putting that way, but yeah, I've been using the same putter and I, and I, and I, and I love the putter, but I didn't play a lot last year. I didn't putt very well last year. And, you know, I'm like everybody else. It's, it is the putter's fault. And the putter has to go. <laughs> you know, there, there has to be. I mean, you remember my putter collection. Well, unfortunately, the putter collection is pretty much gone now. Um, and uh, it's time to start a new one, I think. It's time to start a trend. I'm over Uh-oh. 50 now. I got to start a new trend of, but I, you know, I'm in, I want to try something new, you know, right. and that's yeah. sort of, you know, so for me, it's, I've been using the same style of putter. It's that sort right. of blade style putter. And I want to get using, I want to use more of a mallet style. You know, maybe it'll help with my stroke a little bit. Not, I tend to take the putter offline and maybe the mallet style will help me keep it online better. You know, I could take a putting lesson. I could improve my putting do, that do way. You know any, do you know any, go- know any golf pros? I mean, I know lots of <laughs> golf pros that could help me with that. I, I know yeah. one that, that works with me every day <laughs> that could help me with it probably immensely. Um, though, though I'm sure that he and I don't necessarily agree on, on, the way to read pots, but that might be a topic for another podcast. <laughs> if, if someone's like, if people are listening to looking to listen in on a podcast, oh, Scott and I can go back and forth on something that he knows lots about. And I know nothing about, uh, you'll argue awesome, for it anyway. It'll be an awesome <laughs> podcast facts and, and, and technology, technology facts and knowledge versus personal opinion. It could uh, be, it could be an epic show. All right. I guarantee we'll, we'll, we'll save that for a whole new show. So, so maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll put the podcast, put that question out there later in the year and see if anything's changed. It'd be more of a, did you buy yeah. a new putter kind of thing and see, see yeah. what happens now? Um, you know, regional golf talk, uh, yeah. lots of stuff. Obviously that's a, a lot of our bread and butter is, is, uh, as far as content on the website goes is, is the regional golf talk. And there's a couple of, a couple of things that, uh, uh, came up over the last week, uh, that I'm, I think we might want to share with people, uh, maybe something regarding, uh, the city championships. Yeah. So, uh, the Kingston men's city championship, I heard from Jim Laidley, who's the convener down there, uh, just this weekend. And they're, they're switching up a few things. There's this full story on flagstick.com. People want to have a look, uh, but they are switching up some things, uh, for this year. They're going to sort of take on, uh, something that was older that they used to do before, and they're going to do something newer. So the older portion is that they're going to change up the format and they're going to go back to three consecutive days of play. Uh, the last number of years, they've done two weekends uh, where they've basically done qualifying first matches uh, kind of on the weekend and then the rather matches on the next weekend. So now they sort of want to compact things. And part of that and talking to Jim, uh, you know, in the last year or so and, and talking about scheduling and stuff, which is, you know, continuing to be a challenge not only with golf courses, but with golfers as well. Golfers are, you know, got busy schedules. They got their families. They got lots of things to do, lots of other tournaments. Uh, So they've decided to go to three consecutive days. And again, because the schedule was fairly full in August and September, they're going to go for an earlier date. So they're going to go into June uh, this year. So their qualifier is going to be at Camden Braves on June 10th. And then they're going to do the first uh, first two rounds of match play uh, the next day at Rivendell. And then the final two rounds of match play will be on Sunday, June 12th at Cataraqui. So just a little bit more compact, 
hoping they can get uh, some more players involved. Part of that date uh, as well, uh, you know, they've traditionally been on Labor Day weekend, but part of that is to help with the college kids too. So uh, a lot of the college kids that, you know, are playing out of the, out of the city golf courses, they're back to school. As, yeah. as of mid-August. Uh, so in order for them to be in the field and have some of the better players there, because, I mean, face it, nobody wants to win a false city championship. People want to have the best players there. You don't want to win a title, then everybody goes, yeah, but so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and exactly, so-and-so yeah. wasn't there because either they're on vacation or away at school or whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, it's it's worth a shot for them. Uh, Jim's doing a great job, uh, you know, coordinating that event and uh, best wishes to them. I think that I think it's great. I mean, I'm I'm more in favor of the idea of doing an event like that uh, in consecutive days, you know, where you get the qualifying and then it's right into the match play and, and yeah. it all happens because there's momentum that builds, too. And I know mm-hmm. it's challenging for the for for the uh, associations and for the organizers of golf tournaments like this to get courses in consecutive days, for sure. let alone get courses at all. Um, yeah. but I think it's better for the event if, if it is consecutive days, because someone, if someone's playing well that week and that's what golf really is, it's about a consistency over a period of time. So a tournament like that, you get out there and you, you, you score well in the qualifier and then you get to play the next day and you kind of got that momentum and that energy going. Whereas if you qualify and then the next weekend you play your first match and then the next weekend you play, and we've seen that with some match play events mm. where they're played over a long period of time. It's like, yeah. well, you know, do, you know, guy, you know, this guy or this girl were playing really well this week. And then the next week they, you know, weren't feeling that great and went out and played and, you know, it's just, it, it yeah. takes a little bit away from it. Um, but, you know, we do understand the challenges that they face and, and, you know, we all face anybody that organizes a golf tournament faces mm-hmm. those challenges. Now um, we know that <laughs> we know that firsthand. I mean, the, yeah. the, you know, we can skip on and, and talk about the flagstick open for, for a minute. Um, there's not a lot to talk about with the flagstick. No. Open. It's like, um, registration. I did, for the fl- I did get another email this morning. Somebody said, Hey, uh, uh, when is the tournament this year? Uh, can you <laughs> send, can you send me an application? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's kind of sold out. Yeah. It's a small problem to have for an event, but you know, for our event, you know, we're obviously we're back at Equinel this year for the 10th edition of the flagstick open, uh, which is really exciting for us. Uh, The partnership that we have with Equinel um, over the years, over the 10 years that we've had the event there is, has been amazing. It's nice to have it at the same course every year. I know again, it's challenging. It was challenging for them to kind of work it in but you know they were they were wide open to us being there wanted to work hard we had to reduce the field this year to accommodate for you know the way that things are running there we had to go to a split t uh, or a crossover format this year to accommodate for the way they're running things this year but that's fine um sometimes you have to make you know, accommodations in order to in order to do things and to do things the right way the flagstick open belongs at equinel uh, you know, that's, it, it's, you know, for us, it's like, yes, we could go to another course and have it hosted there. And if we had to, we would, but the masters is at Augusta national. Uh, and that to me, it's our spring event. Yeah. It's the masters for this region. It's yeah. one of the only, if not the only event, um, uh, open or invitational event in the region that actually provides ranking points, mm-hmm. uh, for the players. Um, especially the, the, the better players that are playing in the, in the higher, higher divisions. Um, and we continue to attract um, an, 
a really strong mix of players, but at the yes. top end of the event, um, you know, I think I looked the other day at the field and our, our A flight or A division is, I think, going to end at maybe zero, like scratch, mm. uh, you know, and our, our B division may be like one to four, you know, or one to five. Like it's, yeah, we do have 15 indexes. We do have 12s, yeah, sure. 10s, 9s, yeah. 8s, but um, the top end is is where it's the heaviest. And it's, it's a, there's a lot of plus indexes at this event. Yeah. And, and it's not just, you know, it's just not juniors and your standard amateurs as well. I mean, we have the 2019 and 2021 Ontario senior men's champions in there, David Greenaway and uh, Ashley Chinner, uh, who, you know, is first time player this year. I'm excited to see here, yeah. uh, you know, former professional, former corn Ferry tour player won the Rivermead uh, trophy at the Canadian open one year when the yep. 1996, uh, PGA of Canada championship or the CPGA championship, when it was part of the, uh, the corn Ferry tour, you know, got his amateur status back a few years ago and, you know, has been doing well, but so it's nice to see the variety of players and they're coming from all over the place. I mean, I looked at the draw, uh, I recognize players there from Michigan, uh, some young guys from, from Nova Scotia are coming up that we had covered in on Twitter yep. talking about some of their, uh, the fact that they were signed and going to, colleges in the states or whatever they sort of paid attention saw they were running the event and now you know coming up to, to play in the tournament so but as you said it, it's competitive but there also is a social aspect to it that's why you know we have the amateur players that maybe have a higher index but they come they have a great experience you know we've got you know great swag for them with our great sponsors with with TaylorMade and and adidas uh you know who have been supported the tournament you know fantastically over yeah. the years and that's very helpful a lot of people really like seeing that registration package and i guess just overall you know we try to run it just like we would like to see it if we were a player and i think I think everybody that's played it over the years, which, you know, obviously 10 years now, we're talking close to, you yeah. know, 13, 1400 players. Uh, they're getting a feel for kind of what we want to do. And yeah, that's, that's what sort of creates the demand. Now for, for those that, that haven't signed up and now are hearing yeah. um, that it's, that it's sold out, please don't let that discourage you. Yes. There's a waiting list. Yes. The waiting list grows every day, but you don't have to pay to play in the tournament until you're off the waiting list. So once I take you, if you come off the waiting list and I put you into the confirmed list, then you're going to have to, right. you know, then it, then it charges you for the event. So don't feel like you're putting it out there. There's always ins and outs with this tournament. There, we had 144 in the tournament last year and we ended up, you know, overall pulling 20 some people off the waiting list. It, it happens. Yep. People have things come up. I had someone sign up and cancel two weeks after they signed up. You know, it, it happens. So get your name on the waiting list. It's a first come, first serve waiting list. It's not, oh, who's the best player on the waiting list? That's no, not no. how it works. Yeah. Um, so the sooner you get your name on there, the better it is for you. And and there's a really good chance that if you're on the list, you you at this point you may get in. I mean, we're still yeah. what um a month out, a little or we're more than a more two than months. a month, two months out. Well, a month, so yeah, a month and a half. Yeah, lots of time for things to change. So yeah. uh you could go to you can go to flagstick.com and, cl and click on flagstick open and get to it there, but you can also go just go right to flagstickopen.com. There's a website specifically for it that we run through our partners at Golf Genius, and uh, you can register and, and get your name on the wait list. Now, um, uh, NCAA. Yeah. Um, we got we got some, some news uh, coming out of the NCAA regarding some Canadians. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, there's lots of it always. Um, you know, this more is and more all the time too. I right? got like it. it like it's yeah. really there is a a strong con- contingent of Canadians uh, and local and yeah. regional and provincial, whatever on yeah. on the NCAA circuit. Yeah, if you uh, you follow us on Twitter, we obviously give uh, overall coverage there to all the Canadians uh, and how they're doing. Anytime when we catch up on uh, updates of high finishes at uh, NCAA, National Junior College, NAIA, you know we've got the top ranked Canadian in the NAIA right now for uh, uh, UBC. Their team is doing great. Uh, NCAA Division Two, AJ Ewart, who's out from uh, BC, he's number one in the rankings there. So that's stuff that you'll you'll see all the time if you follow us on our social media. Uh, you know, this note today, sort of mo- a little bit more local. Uh, Ty Salone, who's from uh, Long Sioux, which is you know down near Upper Canada area. Um, you know, he recently had a uh, his uh, a top five finish at the Craft um, uh, Farms Intercollegiate down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, where we've traveled down there before. Uh, you know, and Cougar Collins, his teammate, tied for eighth. A lot of kids there at Eastern Michigan. That's where he goes to school. He's had a pretty solid career. In fact, uh, he's on pace right now to have the second lowest scoring average of all time uh, at that school. So that's pretty impressive considering a lot of players, you know, Peter Sauerbrey from this region. There's been a lot of Canadians that have gone down and played at that school. It's a strong school. So nice to see him there. He tied for fourth, had a season best uh, 211 at this Craft Farms Intercollegiate. Uh, great to see. And that's his uh, second top 10 of the season. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just awesome. Good. Good to see. Cool. Well, listen, I, I, we got to get um, we got to get into some Masters talk. And and, uh, you know, you got yeah, that Masters on, on this week. Yeah. Like if there's anything that signifies the beginning of the golf season or signifies spring is sprung and it's azaleas on TV and yeah. uh, and it's the Masters. There's a lot of things, you know. Driving ranges around here opening up. Obviously, Kevin's place, uh, um, Kevin Hame Golf Center, opening up really early. Um, mm-hmm. You know, usually getting the first issue of Flagstick Magazine out is uh, is a good sign of spring. Although this time it's releasing the ep- first episode of this podcast is a yep. good sign of spring. But the Masters is uh, the Masters is it, and mm. and it's here. This is Masters week. You're donning the sequined. Uh, green jacket so <laughs> i'm not sure they'd love this jacket at a probably not but, uh, you know but you might get some co- you might get some calls after the show is over i might get some calls after the show is we'll over okay. for some lawyers asking uh, that you please don't wear that jacket again <laughs> but tough beans he's wearing it now so um so i want to get into a little bit of the master's talk i mean i'll be the yeah. first to admit i am not the um, I'm not the guy that's uh, that CBC is pulling on the radio to talk about what's going on at this week's tournament because the uh, the depth of knowledge of what's going on on the PGA Tour is not where I lay my uh, uh, lay my knowledge base at, but you do. And uh, yeah, on occasion. And uh, <laughs> I thought maybe it'd be a good opportunity for us to talk a little bit about the Masters as it approaches and just uh, get your get your thoughts and and I guess I can stick my two cents in there where it matters yeah. about you know this week because it's there's obviously a lot of storylines story yeah, 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 happening sure. so let's let's get into some of that yeah and I think the big thing now is that there's a there's a longer run up for the masters now than ever uh you know with the augusta national women's amateur which started in in 2019 so obviously you know that worked into it we got to see augusta national on saturday if you you tuned in to watch it on tv uh drive chip and putt is on the sunday morning so that obviously happened yesterday so there's that little bit of buzz and if you think about it from 
you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I mean, you know, there was a lot of pent up interest because there was only a few hours that we're able to watch it on TV. Well, now we have massive coverage 24 hours a day, basically, as yeah. far as news stories, uh, just downloaded the, the app, the annual, you know, put the app in your phone, uh, which obviously they improve that over and over uh, every year. I mean, you, you can't say they, they haven't been anything but great as far as embracing technology at Augusta National Golf Club, uh, you, your ability to go on and track all your different players, see all their shots, uh, which is, you know, which is great. Uh, this week, Obviously, there's a lot of interest in Tiger. He's going to be the number one story. Uh, obviously, on the grounds, uh, got there last week, uh, was on the grounds uh, yesterday. That would have been Sunday. Uh, there to practice, hit balls for about 16 minutes or so on the range, went and played nine holes, uh, projected to go again today. This We're recording this on the, the Monday. Um, but, you know, whether he plays or not, I mean, we're going to know that by the time, probably the time this podcast comes out. He says it's a game time decision. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are very excited, but, you know, he was the 2019 champion, obviously had a very horrific accident, uh, big rehab to try and come back, has only played the father and son, uh, flat golf course. You know, he's now been testing himself at Augusta National. Um, the question is of where's the balance between wanting to compete and wanting to be competitive? Yeah. Because I think from an ego standpoint, one of the difficult things for any player is to not feel that they're ready to compete and especially for somebody like tiger he doesn't want to go there and shoot 80 um and on the other side of it too i mean um he doesn't want to be disrespectful to the club where he's a champion a multi-time champion you know he's iconic uh, as far as uh, related to uh that tournament and the game itself um so while he wants to play he doesn't want to be disrespectful and he also wants to compete so now, um, Scott, do you yeah. think that part of the reason why he's there yeah. is for what you, is for the reason that you just said because I was thinking about this the other day and you know you know you know wanting to try a leg out and see how it is you can mm. you could test that out other ways you know I mean I know it's it's that golf course but there's other ways yeah. of testing your leg out to see if it can handle the rigors of playing you know four rounds of golf at Augusta National do you think part of the reason that he might be there is for that reason of feeling some sense of 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 loyalty to Augusta National that him being there does something for the club and for the tournament and helps helps yeah. with, you know, I mean, I know Augusta national doesn't exactly need more publicity. No, um, no, no, no. You know, it's not like a public golf course that needs it to get more members and green fee traffic. But do you think that that has something to do mm. with it? It's kind of like this. I need to be here. I'm a past champion. I need to be on the grounds, you know, being around aside from the fact that yes, he is trying to see if he, if yeah. he really is capable of playing. I would say, you know, he could do that just by being there for the champion's dinner. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is different. And I think the fact that he is uh, practicing, he's actually swinging a golf club. Um, I, I think there's more chance that he's going to play than not play. Yeah. And, and I think that just because he wouldn't be disrespectful of the course by going, hey, let's just show up, make me the show, because he knows all eyes are on him. Yep. You know, despite the fact that, you know, there are obviously players that have better odds to win or, you know, from a gambling perspective, um, he doesn't want to be just a sideshow distraction. So he has a genuine interest in playing more than anything. Otherwise, I don't think he would be there at all. I think right. he would have, you know, after he went there last week, played 18, I think he would have called it off right then and just said, I'll attend. I'll be there for Tuesday. I'll be there for the dinner. 
you know, he might come in, maybe he would have came in for the, you know, the drive chip and putt or something like that to support the club. Um, again, he's just jumping on a private yeah. plane and flying back to Florida. So it's not long for him to do that. So I, I, I think his, it's a genuine game time decision. It's not a stunt. It's not anything to help the golf course. It's him thinking, yes, I'm really close to playing. Let's just see how beat I am. And then again, by the time this pod comes out, he'll have met the media at 11 o'clock on Tuesday when he's scheduled to, to, to meet the media. Uh, and, you know, hopefully at that time and by now we'll know what his decision is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we'll see how it goes for sure. Now, I mean, you know, one of the things we should make sure that people know, cause I, you know, I, I was watching, I was watching, I was sort of looking at some of the social media banter about, you know, whether he, you know, him saying, you know, game time decision and stuff. And there was a lot of people that were kind of disrespecting him and saying, you know, that's a little bit of a selfish move. You're taking a spot away from another player. But in reality, what what people may not understand is that Augusta is is one of those tournaments that um, his spot is is his spot. He's not, it's his spot. Yeah. He's not taking a spot away from somebody who was invited to play. Tiger is is a lifetime member of Augusta national. He's a lifetime exemption to play in mm-hmm. the masters, the same as Gary player and Jack Nicholas did for all years, even if he's not competitive. So right. there's no spot to take. It's no. his spot. So mm-hmm. anybody on social media that's going on about it's selfish and whatnot, it's not selfish in any way, shape or form. He owns a spot in the masters, yep. whether he takes it or he doesn't take it. It's his spot. You know, nobody got Phil's spot just because Phil decided that he wasn't going to play. No, it's a limited field event. It's an invitational, as you said. So uh, players qualify on a number of different uh, categories and that's how they make the field up. And, you know, the field starts to shrink when other players fall out of the field. Uh, You know, I think we're at 90 or sub 90 right now. Uh, It doesn't get bigger. It doesn't yeah. last minute. They go, oh, hey, uh, so-and-so is out. Another person's in. There's no alternate list <laughs> for the yeah. for for the masters. That's just the way it is. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I mean, I just, I, I guess. Will hate, but, eh? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, uh, and, and the thing is, is, you know, social media is a, a good barometer for some things. But, you know, you're also <laughs> you're also in a situation there, too, where people are maybe not aware and I'm not going to fault them for it. Um, they're just maybe just don't know how things work. And, you know, maybe as a result of it, they will find out how things work. Exactly. Now we got a couple of Canadians in the field. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Corey Connors is, uh, is now playing in his fifth. Yeah, he's up. Uh, or up sorry, his. his uh, yeah, no, he's at his fifth. Yeah, his yep. fifth Masters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he played one. Uh, he played as an amateur uh, before he played as a pro. Uh, he's probably the leading uh, interest for a lot of people as far as the Canadians, uh, as far as you know how high he will probably or could probably finish, and that's that's based on two consecutive top ten finishes uh, in the last two years. And he's a phenomenal ball striker too, and that that is a kind of a yeah. you got to be a, a good ball striker and someone who can shape the ball at augusta so yeah and and if if uh you know if his putter cooperates uh you know he'll do well and and like i said if i finished t10 and then t8 the last two masters uh finished third at the dell 
uh, World Match Play Championship, uh, you know, two weeks ago, the WDC. Uh, and, you know, that obviously shows he's in fine form. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes has qualified. It's his third Masters. He uh, has made the cut one time out of those two. That was his T40 last year. And then, of course, Mike Weir, you know, the 2003 champion, uh, will be back for his 23rd Masters Championship, wow. uh, which is great for him. And you know what? He he last made the cut in 2020. He showed fine form on the Champions Tour. Can he be competitive? That's hard to say as far as winning is concerned, but yeah. can he make the cut? Obviously, he's proven that he can. Uh, so, you know, it'll be still fun to watch those guys for sure. Now, the betting lines are out. And, yes. uh, and of course, uh, at the top of the list is obviously John Rahm. Uh, yeah. I would not disagree with that betting line at all. He's probably the odds-on favorite to win, but... You can say whoever's the on, odds-on favorite, whatever. I mean, this is this yeah, is that's, not that's that's more who's putting money on them more than yeah, anything, exactly. Really. Yeah. Um, at the top of that second on that list, Jordan Spieth. I, I was a mm. little bit shocked to see. You know, I know Jordan Spieth is. You know, Jordan Spieth is a phenomenal golfer, and it, you know, yeah. aside from the sometimes the garbage that you know comes out of some golf golf broadcasters mouths about players and and how they blast them and whatnot um sometimes these guys know more about their swing than the people talking about them do oh, so God, yeah. um, sometimes most of the time <laughs> so i wouldn't say that just because jordan spieth did something weird at one tournament with a three putt that all of a sudden there's something mentally wrong oh, with them uh <laughs> i i love how this stuff happens though it's just it's so funny it's like okay he he three jacked yeah, he's a so human what? being. You know, Correct. did he have a exactly. mental lapse? Maybe, yeah. sure, but who hasn't? Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many times have you three putt from four feet? I mean, sure, it's happened. Uh, it's happened to me a number yeah. of times. Heck, I've shanked it around an entire green before with a wedge. Yeah, with a partner. Um, with a anyway. partner. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> and with 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 money on the line too. That yeah. probably hurt that partnership a little yeah. bit more than <laughs> I, I. You know, I don't know that we've ever teamed up in a money match since then, Scott. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. There might be a reason why. <laughs> Let that um, be a lesson to anybody listening or watching this. If you want me yeah. as a partner in a money match, probably not the best idea if you're expecting a good short <laughs> game. Yeah, you know what? You know, Spieth has obviously got a fine record here and, you know, uh, the betting odds and, you know, we're going to obviously provide some odds based on one book. I mean, every book is is slightly different, sure. um, but, you know, it's really based on people putting money down. It's not really based on, um, you know, how good they're playing or, or what they're doing. I mean, a lot of people can put money on a certain player, but you know, they don't know if they they really like the golf course or there's something that bothers them about the golf course. It's just because of their form at, uh, you know, the Valspar. Well, is that really relevant? Not it really. could be a little bit. It could be in some way, but, um, you know, but but not really a, a lot. And, uh, you know, Hideki is still a decent favor or not. I wouldn't say favor, but he's a decent uh, as far as odds. He's not too far down the list, but, you know, he pulled out. Uh, of last week with it with a neck injury you know mm -hmm. obviously trying to rest it maybe for for this week um but you know when i look at the list i mean really we just want a great tournament really yeah but and by many who are your favorites who are you looking at way down the list well not way down i'd say no. you know no he's not way down i get i guess on this list about the top third um at, at a at a plus 3500 to win you is uh is will the thrill Salatoris. <laughs> Will Salatoris. I don't know what it is about this guy. He always seems to be in contention in in a in a lot of the bigger events. Uh, he's he's this lanky, you know, six foot two, hundred and seventy five pound 
175 is that with well that's four, what the stats four say. Pairs he, of shoes and he might be bag? 140 but yeah. he's you know but he's he's average averages over 300 off the tee um is uh, in the top uh, i think he's in the top 10 in greens and regulation percentage at over 70 percent it's just right. something about him that i like when i watch him play his swing the way he plays now where I do notice he lacks a little bit and might be a little scary is, is around the greens. His sand save yeah. percentage is kind of low. His putting is not the highest as mm-hmm. far as where he lies on the PJ Tour. But right. I like him. I mean, maybe he's a dark horse. Maybe he's not as much of a dark horse as I think. But I, I like well what he might, his possibilities there. Yeah. And he's, I think he played, um, I'm trying to think of uh, his best Masters finish. He's only, had, he's only played in one. One and he finished last year and he yes, finished second. Yes, that's right too. And he finished second. So <laughs> yeah, um, that's not a bad thing. No. So no, 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 for sure. And I mean, uh, you know, obviously he's demonstrated some ability, and you know, we know that golf course uh, from you know it's not a place where rookies really prevail. Um, it's a place where players have to kind of get to know the golf course, get comfortable with the golf course, get comfortable with the environment. Uh, so he's obviously going to be more comfortable this year and that's yeah. going to be certainly helpful. So the fact that he finished second already in, in, in that, you know, in that debut is certainly, uh, um, you know, certainly shows some good things. I mean, you can't ignore some other players as well that are playing well, you know, your Scotty Scheffler's your, you know, Morikawa. There's another guy who can be a little shaky with the, with the putter, but Tita green, is going to be good. Uh, long golf course. It's got some extra additions this year. A few more tees that are bumped back a little bit. Um, I would tell you for me in looking at some of the players, I'm going to still stick with the same player. I've actually picked the last two years at Augusta national has, has done. Okay. I'm going with cam Smith. Oh, uh, I like, okay. I like the, I like the Aussie. I like the way he plays the game. Aussies have had a good record here at Augusta national. He's fun to watch. Uh, I don't think too many people cheer against cam Smith and no. you know, he's plus 1600 right now, uh, according to CBS sports line odds. So, uh, you know, he he's near the top of the board as far as that betting aspect and, and deservedly. So, well, let's let's uh, we got our we got our guys. So um, and now that we're we're able to go places and restaurants and whatnot, let's let's put uh, let's put a, a lunch on the line. What do you think? I like it. All I'm right. good with that. Yeah, All for right. sure. The bet the bet is in. All right. So enjoy Masters Week, everybody. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Um, but uh, you know, moving along, we we we've got a lot to get through this uh, this episode, and I don't want to miss yeah. too much. So um, the pandemic boom. Mm-hmm. This might be a topic that 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 goes on for a while, but I did want to get into yeah. it a little bit, uh, just because you know we're entering into our third season and probably um, the first season coming. I, I don't want to say we're coming, maybe not coming out of it completely, but this is kind of the mm-hmm. first season where we're we're going into the season knowing that the golf courses are not going to have. You don't have to, you know, necessarily. Um, give your names ahead of time. Uh, you can yeah, go there may into be a the few, restaurant. Few, a and, few less restrictions than, yeah. than the past two seasons. For so sure. I feel like this is sort of, it, we're starting to get into that. If there's going to be any change to the way, uh, to, to the golf industry um, in, in not, in not maybe a, the opposite direction, that this mm-hmm. might be the year that a little bit of that happens. Um, and I just thought maybe we get into a little bit is the pandemic boom, obviously, the last two years, golf took off in yeah. a huge way. And yeah. this has happened before. There's been booms in golf. When Tiger came on the scene, there was a huge boom in golf. 
because yeah. of a player and the interest in the yeah. player and people wanted to, you know, especially and, and the younger. And we, sh- and we should say, I mean, I looked at the National Golf Foundation numbers this week from uh, that were released. This is out of the U.S. for an example. The sport was actually trending upwards prior to the pandemic. So it's not like it was the only thing that was happening. There right. were some other things that were happening that were helping the game a little bit. So but yes, you're right. There's obviously been previous booms. As you mentioned, 1990s, for an example, 1960s, golden era in the 1930s. Uh, but yeah, this one has definitely been uh, a little bit of a surprise more than anything. Uh, well, you know, and I think because it came, it came almost overnight. Yeah. You know, it, it's not it, it. Yeah, the upper trend would have been there, but the upper trend could have been that could have went on for five years before we even got close to where we're at now. And we may still not have gotten to where we're at now. Possibly. I've, I've said myself before um, that. I, f- I always fear when this kind of thing happens, um, how the golf operators, the golf courses and, and whatnot, how they handle it. Um, mm-hmm. Because you got to think that there is going to be a correction. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, there's going to be some kind of not a leveling out, but there's going to be a little bit maybe of a decline in some areas. Because frankly, let's face it, the money that's being spent on the game prior to now, that money couldn't be spent anywhere else. Right. Um, so there weren't people taking a lot of vacations. Mm-hmm. There weren't people, you know, going across border very much or mm-hmm. staying in hotels and eating out and sitting on patios and, and you know, softball tournaments and what whatever the case may be. There was a lot of other things going on prior to the pandemic hitting yeah. where golf was the only thing that you could really do. Um, now, I hope that. There isn't a, con- a correction. I hope that things just continue to keep going the way that they're going mm. and that everybody's busy and everybody's happy. But two mm. years ago, at 1 o'clock or one thirty in the afternoon at most public facilities, there, there were no golfers. There were very mm-hmm. few golfers. It was, it was, you know, golf course operators were asking the question, what do I need to do to fill this golf course up in the afternoon? Where are the golfers going to come from? Yeah. Now we're not asking that question. No, now we're asking, asking where questions. am I going to put everybody that yeah. wants to be here at one 30 in the afternoon? Cause I got yeah. my leagues. They're sold out. I've got my right. members that sold out and I have a waiting list. I mean, how many, how, when's the last time a golf course had a waiting list for a membership of any significant length? Yeah. You have to go a ways back. And this is so good for the industry, but mm-hmm. I guess, I guess I just, I have a fear and yeah. not that it's going to be such a huge correction that we're going to go back to two years ago, because I don't think we're going there. But I just wonder, mm-hmm. and I fear for the golf courses that have not continued to invest in their properties, uh, mm-hmm. that have not continued to, to market themselves and promote themselves and, and build on the things that they were doing as if this pandemic boom never happened. Yeah. Um, that those golf courses that didn't that just rode the wave are going to feel a, a massive amount of pain in the next two, three, four, five years. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about that a little last week, obviously with, with Greg Chambers from the NDCOA, uh, you know, that leads into more of our interview this week as well, but, you know, just some comments on that, you know, there's been a huge, um, opportunity that has taken place, uh, that little, that surge that has taken place that has filled the memberships, as, as you mentioned, um, if courses, and there are a lot of courses that I've talked to are looking at, and not just courses, ranges, other facilities as well. I just saw today, 19th tee 
you know, here in Ottawa, they're driving range. They're putting a uh, a tavern on the T. Yeah, they're I know. Actually, that. Reach, yeah, reaching out, they're building a tavern with a patio and stuff that's out on the T. There's other things that they they have the opportunity uh, to make investments right now. And I think the biggest thing right now is retention, not attraction. Attraction has happened in this mm-hmm. last two years. The difficulty that's going to occur now is the bump that we didn't see in the last two years is the rising costs. Uh, you know, the prime rates going up, gas prices going up, lumber, home costs, all these things have gone up now because of the pandemic and other situations around the world. And those, those weren't in place before these people were flocking to the golf courses to spend more time in the golf courses. Yeah. They're They're going to have an impact on, yes. on what's happening in the 100%. game. 100%. Uh, and, and that's undeniable. Um, but the idea now is that now that golf courses have filled uh, their tee sheets, now they have to retain them. So this yeah. is where that investment really becomes important. That investment, not only we're not talking just investing money, but time and effort into uh, programming and all these different things to, you know, welcome those people that are here, but also keep them there. Because again, you know, if uh, somebody is a member and their chances are they're a member someplace close to home. So the gas price doesn't affect them as much. The transient golfer who's going around all over the place to play green fees. Yeah. That's going to affect them a little bit as well. So, you know, that's why it's going to become important for golf courses to go, you know what, we're going to do as much as possible as we can to keep our customer that we've already attracted here. And we're going to invest in that, but that means they have to make sure that, you know, they're reaching out to them all the time, that they're making them front of mind from a marketing perspective. They're doing all those things that way. So uh, I, I think the whole situation is good. I think it's just changed. And then we're going to see another adaption again this year in responding to all those different factors. And, you know, we've talked about it over the years. There's no such thing as a normal year in the nope. golf industry, right? No, no, there is the, the abnormal is all the time. Exactly. So the the abnormal is the normal. And once you accept that and realize that you just have to adapt all the time, then you're on the right track. Exactly. Now, now, listen, there's there's one thing that kind of gets my back up a little bit. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to said before, I'm not one to hold back uh, the things that I want to say. I, I do have a little bit of a filter. There's not a big one, but there is a small filter. Um, and I might not make a lot of I might upset some golf course operators by what I'm about to say, but for goodness sakes, don't sacrifice the junior golfers for the purpose Mm. of making an extra buck. You don't understand that by eliminating the level of your junior memberships or your level of access to your golf course for the sake of a junior members so that you can make more money on the adult members you're sacrificing the long-term viability of your golf course because yep. I got news for you, people. The 80-year-old guy that take, that's paying $1,800 a year for a membership at your golf course or even the guy like me that's 51 that's paying $2,000 a year to play your golf course ain't going to be 51 forever. Yeah. And the 13-year-old and the 10-year-old and the 9-year-old that's paying $200 or $300 a year, that's your 50-year-old golfer. Yeah. 25 years, 30 years from now. So think about, just think about it for a second when you're thinking about the bottom line, because I Mm -hmm. know it's hard and I understand I run a business. Don't think that I don't know about bottom line. I know bottom line and I make decisions every day. I made one this year with the met with the print version of this magazine, made it made a conscious decision that was not a popular decision, but it was the right decision to do something different. 
And it yep. cost me money on my bottom line initially, but it was the right thing to do for the long-term viability of my business. And it, you're going to make less money maybe by not having as many adult full paying members and having more juniors, but those juniors will become your adult members. Mm-hmm. You have to protect your golf courses in interests and the industry. So yep. That's a little yeah. bit of a ramp, but Scott, do you agree or disagree with that? No, no, I totally agree. And I think if you look at it from a case of like the music industry, there's a reason why if uh, someone in the music industry, you know, is looking at a new artist, they're more likely to look at the 17 year old than they are the 27 year old. And it's not because the 27 year old is, is a, you know, not as good of a singer as the 17 year old, and maybe the 17 is worse. There's more potential for that person over a long time. And as you mentioned, you know, your 13 year old that gets connected to a golf course, uh, again, a lot of people, you know, if you study the demographics, they tend not to move away from the area where they grew up. More people tend to stay closer to where they are, which means they have a potential to stay connected to your property for many, many years. And Mm -hmm. if you do something early on in their career, um, we'll say career as far as a junior golfer, to kind of change their connection to your facility, you've effectively disturbed that potential for that customer in years in the future. But if that person at 13 or 14 has great memories of being there, they feel like they're at home there, you know, going up that driveway to that golf course is, is means everything to them. You know what? They're going to stay a lot more loyal, especially when they kind of drift through those years where they're, you know, maybe they're getting married or having kids or or so forth, uh, where they would tend to shy away from maybe spending money on golf. But you know, if they have a connection, chances are they'll still retain their membership and they won't lose that connection. So you always have to be thinking long term uh, more than short term. Exactly. All right. And with that, Scott, that's a that's yes. a it's a little long front nine. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we Slow squeeze play. it in Sorry and under two, right? Yeah, um, no, I think the marshals coming together. Yeah, I was going to say, better look behind us. Somebody's coming for us. But um, I want to make sure. I just want to thank everybody for you know bearing with us on our front nine and uh, and making up our twosome. But we we got to get out. We got to take a quick break. Got to pay some bills. But when we come back. Um, we're going to play the interview that Scott had with uh, Carol Ann Baxter from the uh, PGA of Canada, Ottawa zone. I, I really think you're going to enjoy the interview that he did with her. Um, it, it's, it's really insightful. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I know I enjoyed listening to it, so I'm sure you're going to listen, enjoy listening to it too. So don't go away. Stay with us. We're going to be right back. Over the past 40 years, you've inspired us to make a lot of great drivers. All great, but all eventually reach their limit. But while we were making all these drivers for the present, we were also hard at work making the next generation of driver. Because where titanium ends, carbon begins. All right, well, welcome back and uh, thanks for coming back in and joining us for the back nine here on the Flagstick Podcast. as we uh, alluded to going into the break, um, Scott did uh, had a chance to sit down with uh, Carolyn Baxter, who is the executive director and owner of our Ar- executive director of the PGA of Canada, Ottawa zone, and the owner of Archie's uh, golf in Cornwall. Um, if you've never been down there, you should get down to into Cornwall uh, and check it. It's an aquatic driving range and, and uh, par three golf course and mini pot. And she's got an awesome pro don't, shop. Don't there, forget so the dairy bar. Don't forget and the, dairy the dairy bar. bar. Yes. The dairy bar. I have stopped in the dairy bar 
just as the only thing I've done just on the way past before. So yeah, just, just to get the dairy in. Um, so, so, uh, Scott had a chance to sit down with her and, uh, and we have that interview for you right now. As I said, I think you'll really enjoy it. So take a listen. All right, we have a special guest today here on the Flagstick Podcast. One of our favorite people, somebody we've known for quite some time in the industry, uh, Carol Ann Baxter, who's the owner down at Archie's in Cornwall. And we'll explain what Archie's is in a minute if you're not familiar with it. And she's also the executive director of the PGA of Canada Ottawa Valley Zone. How are you today? I am excellent. Thank you. One day away from opening. How can you not be great? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is a busy time of year and we really appreciate you uh, giving us some time because we know, uh, you know, you're probably undoing boxes and breaking ice and doing all sorts of things. Uh, first things first, why don't we explain a little bit of Archie's. Uh, Archie's is kind of a, a unique facility, but in some ways, uh, although it was built in the past, it's built perfectly for what we see in the golf market in 2022. So when give us the thumbnail sketch of what Archie's is all about. Sure. Uh, Built in the past, as you said, originally started in 1955 by Archie McDonald, hence the name, uh, on the a few miles from its present location now. Um, Archie moved to the current location in the late 50s. I don't know the exact date, and he had it up and running in the very early 60s. One of the things he did early on was he dug two huge about six acres in total man-made ponds so we can boast that we are the first aqua range in canada in about 1959-1960 i mean that's crazy when you think about it i mean uh you know if you're building it and doing it at that time uh the thought of doing an aqua range had to be just out there i'm sure a lot of people thought he was probably crazy at that point really yeah, so the way it's set up, we have 100 yards of grass and then 150 yards of water and then grass beyond that. I have to think it was for practicality purposes. We're in a bit of a bowl here, and I'm guessing, I wish I would have asked him more because Archie was a friend of mine and the one who actually got me to buy this place in 99. Um, well, I wouldn't say got me, pushed me and said <laughs> this would be a good idea. Uh I wish I would ask more questions. Um, I have to think he got tired of plugged golf balls. That's all I can think of because an aqua range is a heck of a lot of work. It's, yeah. you know, uh, there's so many elements to it. And um, we actually filled in the small pond. Don't tell Archie um, last fall. So, cause it was just giving me so many headaches. We'll see <laughs> now you say, you say you bought Archie's in, in 1999 and, and we'll get to uh, as well, the other features that you have at Archie's right now, but you know, you're somebody who's been in the golf industry pretty much your whole life. You grew up in it, right? Yes, I, I was. And I was an assistant pro at the Cornwall golf club at the time. And Archie would come out every night. Uh, he was beyond his playing days. He was one of the top amateurs in the area for years in the local hall of fame here and he would bring his eight iron and he would walk all the way around the perimeter of the range and he would hit the balls back into the range so we could pick them and one day he came to me and he said you know this isn't where you should be and I said what do you mean he said you should be on the other side of town getting people into the game teaching people how to play the game and growing the game and I have to say, I had lived in Cornwall, the Cornwall area for about eight years, and I had never stepped foot on the property. Wow. And never, I don't even think I'd driven by it. So 
the next day and he said it was for sale. So the next day I came in, it was about quarter after six in the morning. There was nobody here. I kind of tippy toed out and I just, I instantly fell in love with the place. And uh, so we contacted the owners and found out there was actually a, an offer, an accepted offer on it. So, okay, well on to next things. And about three days later, they called to say the offer had fallen through and was I still interested? So. The rest, as they say, is 21 <laughs> years ago, my current history. Well, I, I'm sure it looks a little different today than uh, maybe what Archie had back in the day. Why don't you explain a little bit of what you have beyond the aquatic range? Because, you know, there's a lot more than that, for sure. Right. And as you said, it's, it's, it's funny that after all the years we've been here, um, that it's never lended itself more to what's going on uh, with golf generally, um, because this is a family entertainment place. This, that's what it is. We have 18 holes of miniature golf. Uh, we have a nine hole par three golf course. We have foot golf. We'll soon have frisbee golf. We have a dairy bar on site and we have a fully stocked pro shop. But the fact that it, it, it tends, it, it, it caters to both the hardcore golfer who wants to come and practice and what I equate to the people that will go to a batting cage just for fun and never intend to play baseball, it's the same thing here. We get a lot of people that I know will never step foot on a golf course. Uh, they're just here to see their ball splash in the water and <laughs> have some fun with and, their friends. And that's, so, and that's and okay because they're love them all. with golf. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's that top golf thing, right, right. that uh, yeah. people have found there's a niche. There's definitely yeah. a niche for golfers and non-golfers alike. Yeah, I mean, it's golf adjacent is really what it amounts to as far as entertainment. And really, people you know want to be entertained. And I'm sure at this point as well, it's become generational for you. And, you know, 23 years later, you're probably seeing a lot of, uh, you know, the next generation as far as the kids of the people that you used to see at the range. 100%. Uh, we have whether they, they worked for us as, as teenagers or whether they came in and, and took the junior camps and now they're signing their own kids up for junior camp. Um, yeah, we, we definitely are seeing, you know, 20, 21 years in, you're definitely going to see that. And that's, it's just great. It's, you know, it's still, and I'm sure that this is true of any of these like smaller type or municipal type courses where it's where people got their start, right? right. Um, whether it be, you know, the first time I played mini putt or my first date, because it is a hot date spot in Cornwall, um, <laughs> or I learned to play golf, all of those things. Uh, it's it's nice. And and we tend to have those people come back year after year after year I mean, with the grandparents, with the grandkids. Uh just a, it's just a fun spot. Yeah, and you're ever evolving too. You're you're trying to respond to the market and look at how things are. Um, we won't get into it too much, but I know you're getting into you know some more planning for some other things in the future. But you know, how has that been for you over the years? Um, what's been sort of the impetus for you to kind of keep evolving? And and you, uh, for example, you've just did a big rebrand. Yes, I did, and it's actually our. I think the fourth one in 20 years. Um, but it was never my, I don't ever feel like I owned it. Um, my motivation to keep going was probably to prove all the people wrong that said I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. Um, <laughs> this is going to be my 12th season of having bought up my ex-partner, ex-husband. And, um, and I'm proud to say that we're, we're, better and stronger than we've ever been. Not that he didn't help 
you know, with the grassroots of all of that and to get us started because he did. Um, and now uh, one of the driving forces that I have, I have two boys in their 20s who have both shown an interest. So it's sort of revitalized when I thought I'd be, you know, doing the backslide out of here. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, I got another generation that's, that's interested. And so I'm going to try to make it the best that it can be for them so that they can carve 20 or 30 years out of it as well. And, you know, the last couple of years have obviously been challenging with the uh, the pandemic and, you know, uh, challenges certainly continue. But what have you found to be the opportunities kind of in that same time? I mean, uh, you probably saw a burst of traffic uh, just like everyone else last year. Right. And and I think that that is, is our big win in the golf industry is just the accessibility and the fact that we were allowed to be accessible, mm-hmm. um, you know, a few, a few shutdowns here and there. But there is no doubt that I, I believe most people in the golf industry realize how fortunate we were. Um, and a lot of, you know, anybody with outdoor activities, basically. But the other thing is, too, that I think it's that whole thing has just changed. It's made people realize how important these types of things are. And hopefully after two years, whether it be biking or kayaking or golfing, it's become part of who they are and will be part of their life moving forward. And certainly in the golf industry, I think we have an amazing opportunity um, to continue to make golf accessible, to continue to make golf fun, to continue to make golf a game for everybody and i know scott you're a purist when it comes to (laughs) the game of golf but it's also opened up the opportunity to just you know say you know here's a great park go for a walk carry a stick kick a ball throw a frisbee yeah just do it yeah for sure and that leads into uh you know the other hat that you you wear with the uh the pga of canada ottawa zone i mean uh not only uh are you the executive director you're an lpga member and you're really close to becoming a class a member of the pga of canada as well which is great to see um how has that aspect of uh your life you know been the last couple years as well i mean i know obviously as a member of the zone that uh, again, challenges and opportunities are definitely definitely the words. But um, what are you seeing out there, especially you know this spring uh, with the pros and how the business is working? Um, after two years of nothing but exhaustive efforts on the parts of everybody in the golf industry, um, one of the things that I would say that we are finding is maybe one of our biggest challenges, and and I don't think this is. I know this isn't particular to golf, but it's new for us is um, personnel, uh, mm. golf pros, being able to fill the spots. We, we just don't have enough bodies uh, for the positions that are out there. And, and it's unfortunate. Um, however, the other side of that is I see a great opportunity for, for those that may not have looked at the industry uh, previously to say this, this could be a viable option for me. Um, there are very, you know, there's a number of different avenues one can take, whether they want to be a, a teacher, whether they want to, you know, specialize in shop retail or, or tournaments and, and uh, event planning, all sorts of different opportunities. And now if there's anybody out there that's, that's interested, it would, certainly would be the time to look at it. I think the other thing that it has, you know, certainly some of the, one of the things that I get on my soapbox a bit with the pros is now is your time to shine. Do not take 
for granted the opportunity that has been presented to us. We have not seen this since the heyday of Tiger, right. when right. many places around the world made the mistake of overbuilding golf courses um, so that there was so much competition. And, and then, of course, we hit a recession uh, that it, it did some really long-lasting damage to a lot of courses and, and, and a lot of people in the business. Now is the opportunity for our pros to shine and to realize what an integral part they play in not only growing the game, but the retention of players. I mean, there's still an innate sexiness to being a golf professional. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, the, the players that are out there, they want to be recognized by the golf pro. They want to be taught by the golf pro. They want to have those conversations. They want to talk about their games. Just, you know, it's just, it's like having a great doctor, right? You, you don't want to let go of that. And uh, I, I think we really, really need to, to pay attention to that in our position as we sit right now with the opportunity that's provided us. So as part of that, are you starting to see an evolution within the pros as well of maybe what they're paying attention to? Because obviously, you know, in a, in a number of years where there was maybe a bit of a downturn, there was a lot of operators that really focused on purely just operations. Let's get this place going. Let's try to get bodies in here. And maybe they forgot a little bit about programming and engagement with people rather than just, you know, tea times. Um, are you seeing more of that? And, and, and is that sort of playing into the role of, maybe as you mentioned coaching and and programs and things that are people are thirsting for out there absolutely uh, and and we need to offer and those programs now to keep those the new players or the ladies that want to come out and do a nine and dine or wine and dine nine and wine um and we also i think need to increase our focus or, or sharpen our focus on the customer experience uh, because that is something that is going to keep the non-core golfers coming to the golf course and hopefully make them core golfers. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that's so key. And and how are you doing that yourself at Artis? I mean, I look behind you, I see a very full pro shop obviously there's a lot of people that are thirsting for equipment there have been supply chain issues in the last uh little while that have caused some issues for people getting equipment and so forth but um you know that transformation how are, how are you doing that yourself um i think back to the not taking anything for granted and not taking a single customer for granted um our motto here is if we don't take care of our customers somebody else will and and so we do and uh, we're, you know, I'm in a in a in a nice position, and I, you know, I'm an hour uh, from any big box store retailer. There's a few smaller ones around, and there's some other country clubs. But certainly, when it comes to the retail side of things, um, there's really nothing that we can't fulfill from either a soft goods or an equipment side of things. And we just kill them with customer service. So, mm. you know, that's that's the key. And it's you know, I I invite people to shop around that uh, I'm not worried about pricing I'm really not um, if they don't understand that we need to make a living that that I need to pay my team well um, so that I have the luxury of them coming back I'm looking across the room at Donna here who's been with me for like 20 of my 21 years yeah. um, and there's a reason for that right yeah. we have a culture here and it is Archie's family golf center for a reason and and we treat our customers that way too and I think they know that and there's a 
there's a trust that we never take for granted that, that we're always trying to work and improve and expand upon. Um, you know, we have an area too where we've seen quite a bit of growth um, population wise in an area that's been very stagnant for many, many, yeah. many years. So again, just something we, we never want to take for granted. Yeah. And I like that word that you said, you know, culture, uh, you know, I've noted uh, over the years, obviously being at your place many times, as you mentioned, Donna being there a long time. I mean, it's a family golf center, but I mean, your staff are your family, you know, and, and you sort of treat your customers like family as well. And, and that really lends into maybe their, their dedication to you so that they go to see you guys first over thinking about going elsewhere. Yeah, and that, and that's all I've ever asked for, right? Is give us an opportunity if you're looking. I, I do warn them. You know, we know the internet's out there, and uh, it's been a big player. And I guess my cautionary tale is, you know, generally speaking, you get the customer service and the dedication that comes along with pushing a button on a computer. And and if that's all you're interested in, fill your boots. Um, that's not what we're here for. All right, we'll flip back uh, a little bit for a couple questions about the, uh, you know, the Ottawa zone for the PGA of Canada. Um, getting ready, obviously, for the zone season to start from a tournament aspect. Uh, yes. I, know I'm, I know I'm looking forward to that. How are, how are things looking as far as schedules and tournaments and things like that for this year? So the schedule is set and we'll be out very soon. Um, we just finalized it actually two days ago uh, at our board meeting. And I was lucky enough to meet with a bunch of pros yesterday at another meeting at Royal Ottawa that we were all at. Um, and I think people are excited uh, for the season. We've got a great slate. Um, I can actually tell you that there isn't one course in the city. Um, we're, we're really kind of out, out and about this year, which is nice from, you know, Renfrew to Loyalist to Castleview where, you know, we've got a really different offering this year, which is fun. And um, I actually, you'll be proud of me, Scott. I committed to playing. And I'm, nice. I'm going to put this out there because there's three other people that have committed as well. Danielle Nadon and I are going to play in the Pro Pro. We figure awesome. we've got the senior senior ladies division wrapped up. Okay. And we're are, are we going to have a side game? Is that how what you're talking about right now? Is that I what think you're doing? So. Yeah. You're challenging we're, we're me. Okay. Be, yeah, we're going to be playing with uh, Greg White and Barry Laffin. So nice. um, I'm already looking forward to that day. So I texted uh, Danielle when I got home last night, and I said, okay, the boys are in. And she says, oh, I'm going to practice. I can start practicing tomorrow. So Love it. So, Love it. Anyway, it's a little yeah. bit of fun. But we're, you know, I'm looking forward to a, a full slate again this year, a uh, little less restrictions. Uh, it's going to be a really nice season for us. Looking forward to it. All right, two things. Uh, Got to give people your address and how they can find you as far as uh, online or, or whatever the case. And then maybe a quick mention as well of, you know, if somebody is interested in getting involved with the PGA of Canada, uh, maybe interested in becoming a member, because I know that's a barrier sometimes. I have a lot of people that, you know, will ask me, for an example, how do I get to become a pro? Uh, maybe right. we'll get you to mention sort of, you know, how they get involved as well. So the, just those two right. things, really. So if anybody wants to come see me here at Archie's, uh, we are in Cornwall, 1719 Vincent Massey Drive. We're right on Highway 2. You can't meet us. If you find the Mary Browns, we're right across the street. So, And lots of places to stay right outside of our door. So if you're from out of town, we, we'd love to have you for a bit. In terms of anybody who might be interested in, in the PGA, 
I would suggest anybody go to pgacanada.com. First and foremost, uh, one of the uh, application requirements is that you be employed in the golf industry. And as we mentioned earlier, there's no shortage, no shortage of jobs in yeah. the golf industry right now. So uh, that should not be a hurdle um, from anybody. Um, there is obviously a playing component to it. It's gotten, mm -hmm. it's eased somewhat um, to meet the demand and also to increase our inclusiveness and diversity across the country. Uh, and I think that that's been a good thing. So the opportunity is definitely there. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, good luck with the opening. By the time this podcast come out, you will be open. So hopefully uh, you're, ni you're nice and busy and hopefully you still get in some practice time there. And I guess we'll see you <laughs> at the Pro Pro, if not sooner. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about how much we're going to be playing for. Super. Thanks so much. I love the new podcast, by the way. Happy to see your shining face on the screen. So keep up the great work. Great. Thanks, Caroline. Thank you. Well, there you go. Um, I, I I know you enjoyed that interview, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know how how nice is it? How awesome is it to sit down? Like I, I mean, I, I've had conversations with Carol Ann where when we when we were doing delivery of the magazine, that that was sort of my delivery root spot, and and I always it was always good when she was there available to chat when I dropped off the magazines because we you know go out and we'd walk around and we chit chat about just golf in general and some people are just you know despite their position that they hold and and some people are just really um they're just really good people to talk to it's the conversations that you have are very insightful very informative you know and and candid and she mm -hmm. is 100% one of those people that just amazing to sit down and talk to in a great interview yeah, you know, she's a, she's a golf person through and through. She grew up in the game, she's grown uh, you know, grown up around you know, her career uh, around the sport. Uh, you know, obviously being an owner, LPGA, she was a player. Uh, it's one thing we didn't really talk about too much in the in that yeah. uh, in that call. She played what was then the Futures Tour, which became Symmetra and Epson Tour. She played some events and stuff down there. Uh, now involved heavily, obviously, with the PGA of Canada. Uh, going to come back and, and play a little bit this year. And yeah, I enjoy every conversation with her. I stay in touch with her uh, fairly regularly during the year, just to kind of catch up on different subjects, bounce off different ideas, talk about different things, and. Uh, um, yeah, you know what? She just loves the game and, and she loves her customers and she does as much as she can to take care of them at Archie's and she does a great job for, for us in the zone as well as our executive director. And, you know, we're happy to have her there and it's always nice to catch up. Perfect. Now, um, kind of keeping on topic with the spring has sprung with, uh, with this episode of the podcast and, you know, the master's talk and, you know, old course openings and the state of the industry and so on and so forth. Um, Spring is also a time when, uh, you know, you should, if you're not, but you should be taking a look at, at uh, putting a new set of grips on your, your golf clubs. Because the other ones, if you played enough golf and the way the industry's gone, people have been playing enough golf, you probably need to change your grips. Um, and in, uh, in this episode or this, in this uh, segment of uh, Product Watch, uh, presented obviously by Greensmere uh, Golf and Country Club, say 40% on all daily green fee rates with Flex Pass for only $425 plus tax. Visit greensmere.com for more information. Uh, this ep uh, segment of Product Watch, we're going to talk about uh, Golf Pride's new grip. I think they got uh, something a little softer out there. 
Yeah. So uh, if people are not really familiar, I mean, first off, when we're talking about, uh, you know, grips and getting grips on clubs, as you mentioned, really essential this time of year, uh, we'll say supply chain has affected grips just as much as has every other uh, piece of equipment out there. So uh, you may not quite get all the selections that you hope for. Uh, so if you do want some grips, get on it right now. Uh, and, and it's definitely, uh, is, is a concern if you want a particular model. Uh, but golf pride, uh, has been based in, in, uh, North Carolina for quite some time, uh, just outside, uh, of Pinehurst. Uh, but just, uh, just recently they built a new innovation center in, in Pinehurst to basically, you know, do more designs, uh, do different builds, just do different things better with their grip business and really advance it. And, and certainly they've been the premium name for, for golf grips for a long, long time. Uh, and they finally came out with a their first grip that has come out of that innovation center that was fully designed and, and developed there. And, and they're taking a kind of a new direction in, in grips and doing some things that are a little bit softer, but still having some performance benefits. That's sort of the balance all the time with people in the grips. You know, there used to be always like, oh, we can get a really super soft grip or we can get a really firm grip. The firm grip's really about performance and the soft grip's really about comfort, but there's no kind of in between. Right. Uh, they've been trying to work to, to change that. So their new CPX grip is what they have uh, out. It's called the Comfort Performance Extreme. Uh, definitely a slightly different look than previous grips. And obviously we've got a photo. Um, ultra soft rubber compound that they use for it. The really neat part is the diamond pattern that's on it from a gripping standpoint. Now, the gripping, uh, that pattern is important. Grooves within uh, a grip are important because they help wick away. Well, not wick away, but they provide a spot for uh, moisture, for oil off your hands and stuff like that to go so that, you know, it's not there on the top part of the grip so that you have as much friction as possible in contact between your hand and the grip uh, and allow you to secure hold on the golf club. So what they've done with this is that they got a diamond pattern, but the diamond pattern is a 45 degree diamond pattern. And it was actually inspired by something you're familiar with uh, BMX grips uh, yes. back in the day, the diamond patterns uh, of providing it. So it's a little bit more tactile. It's got more contact area, which is really important as far as people gripping uh, the club and just think of it more like a, we'll call it like a winter tire versus a slicks. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got more space there. It's got more uh, contact, uh, more surface area. And as a result, they end up with one of those two elements of being soft, but still having a lot of performance benefits as far as friction. So excited to kind of try some of these out. Obviously you've seen the pictures. Uh, I've got a lot of information on them, but haven't got to test them yet. So uh, what are your thoughts when that, you saw well, it? You know, it's interesting that you, God, man, you brought up a BMX reference. <laughs> That's incredible. I was literally just talking to my younger, uh, my younger son, Brandon yesterday yeah. about when I used to ride BMX, because this is going back to when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, and I was competing, you know, pretty high level competing. I was ranked number six in the province uh, for racing. Um, I was, oh, I'd love to see you on a bike right now. Uh, yeah. I still, <laughs> honestly, I don't, I have know the you race, still have one. Don't you I don't have the racing bike. I did okay, rebuild right. one, uh, for, yeah. for one of my boys, but I still have, when I switched over to freestyle, you see all that X game stuff now. Well, for the, I used to do this stuff. But it was nowhere near what it was, no. what it is now. I mean, I if it was what it was now, I would never have done it. I was too scared. But speaking of the grips, um, when I raced, yeah. I had a grip that was um, that had uh, deeper grooves in the grip 
Um, yep. You know, some people used sort of a rib design where it, it kind of uh, kind of almost looked like a piece of rotini pasta and it sure. had deep so that your the the sweat from your hands or moisture yep. from if it happened to be sprinkling because you didn't race when it was raining, but if sprinkling the moisture went down in the grip and you still had rubber to grip on. Whereas yep. when I was flatland riding, which is like all the freestyle trick riding where you're staying level on the ground and you're not going up and down ramps, um, you didn't do that when it was wet at all. It right. was a really short period of time. You always wore gloves. So the grip was almost, almost just soft, soft, soft and right. flat. There was hardly yep. any texture to it at all because you needed to have like full contact uh, when you're doing the riding. So um, I love this idea. Yeah. It's kind of a neat concept. And it's kind of funny. So I remember, you know, the, the golf pride tour wrap when it first mm -hmm. came out and there was, you know, I've always been a cord grip guy. Yep. Same here. Probably, um, probably. Still, I still, think I still do. I think I still do. <laughs> and I still, I think I actually still have a golf MCC pride. plus four is my uh, one that I use now. Oh really? Okay. Cause yeah. I know, I know I still use corded grips. Um, yep. I think it's like a, I think it's like velvet cord. I think it's even kind of, a little more okay. old school uh, or um uh oh my gosh the name you're 51 you don't even remember yeah, i know it's crazy <laughs> eh? um but yeah no i love this idea um yeah. so d does this is this a come in a corded model <laughs> uh not yet um i would think i don't know if there would be any particular benefits for, for that any listener out there that's interested if it comes in a corded yeah. model i mean i'm not for myself or anything no 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 but but i mean the uh you know the whole idea here obviously is to provide that traction in a certain way and the cord would actually work through the grip to provide a smooth surface with some texture to it. So uh, there's probably not much need for it. And I think people will know from putting core grips on that they tend to be very expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an expensive process to do. So I think this is sort of their solution to sort of um, let's do the same type of performance uh, as a corded grip, but do it in a process that's maybe uh, more comfortable, easier to do, and probably, you know, from a price standpoint, it's probably uh, more beneficial to the consumer as well. So, well, yeah, you know, I mean, if, if it accomplishes it, then then uh, it's great. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe now is the time with all the other changes now talking about changing my putter this year. Goodness, maybe I'll just go, maybe I'll switch off corded grips for, for a year and try something uh, a little softer. This definitely would be something that might fall into the, the category of something I would try yeah. uh, in a soft compound. I have tried other soft com soft compound grips before and not, uh, not with good favor, but nothing that looks like this. So, yeah. and really the only way to know is, is, uh, to, try is to try it. You know, yeah. if you're not sure, so, if you're like me and you're not sure, put it on a driver and, yeah, for sure. and try it. Club. And if you like yep. it, then put it on your irons. But yep. uh, I wouldn't maybe necessarily go switching. If you're not used to this kind of compound or this kind of grip, I don't know if I'd suggest going out and regripping all 14 clubs in your bag and then going, yep. oh, I don't like it, but uh, yeah. try your and, driver and first. Are, yeah. And they are available now. And if you want to check out more, I think you can go to golfpride.com slash CPX. Just go to the golf pride site and you can see more details on them. Awesome. Um, yeah, there you go. Perfect. Love it. There you go. Product Watch brought to you by our good friends at Greensmere and greensmere.com. Um, all right. We got to head out to the lesson tee. Uh, this is uh, you know, a regular segment and it's, it's more important than ever this time of year to, to get a little bit more of these golf tips into you before you head out to the golf course. So you can uh, maybe fix a few things before you get there. Um, the lesson team brought to you obviously by Kevin Haim golf school. Uh, it's always the right time to play better, whether you need private lessons, a better short game to putting, or even some custom club fitting. Cause out at the Kevin Haim golf center, uh, they do a ton of club fitting. Um, uh, visit them at uh, kevinheim.com and remember uh, better golf is a lot more fun. 
All right, uh, we're going to take a trip out to the lesson tee. This week, Kevin takes a closer look at your takeaway using some unique technology. Check it out. Time for a quick tip, golfers. We're inside my Gears 3D Motion Capture Studio, and I'm all set up here with great parallel lines to talk about winding up. We obviously want to swing the club away with more chest turn and less hip turn. Jake Haim is behind me. Jake, let me know how I do it waist high here, proper takeaway. We swing the arms, turn the chest, keep the lower body quiet. How are those numbers? Looks really good. Chest turns about 50 degrees. Hip turn is in the high 20s. It shows a proper early wind with the chest and the hips are reacting to that turn. When you practice, swing the club away with your upper body, your arm swing, your chest turn. Keep your lower body more stable. You'll build a better golf swing. That's quite an interesting, uh, an interesting tip, using 3D motion capture uh, yeah. to show you what the proper takeaway is. Now, this is technology that's it's not new. Right, like new, new. It is newer technology, and it's something mm -hmm. that hasn't been available to people for a very long time. But, you know, Kevin has the full 3D motion capture studio out there and does a lot of this stuff and, and just happened to, to do a tip where, you know, talking about takeaway and being able to show it um, using 3D modeling. Um, with their system out there is, uh, is, is pretty extraordinary. It's not technology and teaching, Scott, you know, this type of thing where you're using 3D modeling or you're using, you know, track bands or flight scopes, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like I think uh, Kevin uses uh, the, uh, the flight scope out there and yep. he has the top tracer technology with the range. Um, you know, how does this technology, does this technology really help people uh, and help teachers um, help their students? Yeah, you know what, uh, gears, which Kevin uses a very precise system uh, down to about two millimeters, I believe, as far as, you know, looking at uh, degrees and range of motion, contact with the golf ball, how the club moves, so forth. Uh, they're measurement systems. You know, they're, they're not the coach, um, but they give the coach uh, real meaningful information that also the student can see as well. And it's really easy uh, for a student, you know, to, to fall into a thing where the person says, yeah, that was good. But if somebody can break it down like this on gears and you can see exactly what is happening and precisely, then you know if you're actually making the changes or not. And then you can see what happens as far as ball flight and so forth and how things are affected as far as your movement is concerned. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's always, it's always good to see, uh, this type of technology gears is only available in a couple of spots here in Canada right now. Uh, there are 3d systems that uh, are more, you know, available all over the place. Uh, but gears is a higher end, uh, you know, premium system and, and, uh, certainly any type of, uh, any type of instruction that's done using it certainly can be very insightful. Cool. Well, Scotty Mack, yes, sir. As, as as crazy as it may seem, um, we have pushed through yet our second episode of this uh, this podcast, and I got to tell you, that was uh, that might have been more fun than the first one. I don't know if because of the sequin green jacket of that course. it kept that me. I, I don't. I wasn't smiling so much because of the <laughs> conversation that we were having, as I was trying not to laugh at the jacket. So, oh, uh, thank you for that. That was You're awesome. Welcome. Um, I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in, uh, again this week. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed, uh, you enjoyed what you watched, uh, or what you heard. Uh, I got to thank Carol Ann Baxter for, uh, for sitting down with Scott and taking some time with us and, and helping make this podcast better. Uh, thanks obviously to our sponsors, Metcalf Golf Club, Greensmere Golf and Country Club, Kevin Haim Golf School, and of course, 
our presenting sponsor, TaylorMade Golf Canada. Uh, check out the new stealth line of golf equipment at tailormadegolf.ca and welcome to the carbon age. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying everything that you're hearing and watching with us. Be sure to follow us across all of our social media networks, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to Spotify, Audible. Apple Podcasts is coming soon, I promise. We're getting there. Uh, yep. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube to our YouTube channel. Like us, click the little notification bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Hit up flagstick.com for even more amazing golf content. We deliver it every single day. Subscribe to the Flagstick Digest newsletter. You'll get stuff sent to you three times a week, and it pushes you right back to the website. You'll get some great content. Well, that's it for us this week. I'm Jeff Botter. I'm Scott McLeod. Remember, always go for the stick.